Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Welcome along. <laughs> it's been a while since we've used it. Um, well, Speak for yourself, mate. Some of us have done this all bloody week. Yeah, it's been um, a whole two days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, welcome along, everyone. Uh, live round one, two, five, and not out. How are we all, boys? Um, slightly tired, I'm guessing, like me. <laughs> yeah, get me out of it. Hello, everyone. It's been a good week. It's been a busy week, but normally a busy week means a lot has happened. Yeah, it's, it's been a long 10 days. I'm not gonna <laughs> <laughs> lie, sugarcoat it. However, it was superb on there. Yeah, it, it delivered, and probably because it was an unexpected sort of match play. I know we're down to Danes and nothing is as a, but it, it certainly threw up a lot of surprises, a lot of drama, a lot of standout moments. Uh, and as a whole, for me, it, it delivered once more as a tournament. But the match play tends to deliver every year, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it, it does to a point. I've got some bits to bring up on it, um, but we'll come on to that later on. We're going to jump into the chat room. How are we all doing, everyone? Our weekly darts cast, Tommy, Owen, James, and James. Ali is in. Kieran, Craig, Malachi, Naz, LS, Laura, how are we doing? Happy birthday to the Joker as well. No doubt he's there watching. And hello, Maisie. She's always watching. Um, ABM Florin, how are we doing? Sam Nels is in as well. Um, get involved throughout the show as well in the chat room. Remember, if we don't answer it, we do star stuff in the background and we do come back to it. Um, but yeah, look, uh, how are we doing, Lendl? Uh, look, <coughs> long time in Blackpool, a lot's gone down. Um, chat room and you boys, first of all. A good match play 
an average match play or a brilliant match play? What are we saying? I think it was a good match play. It wasn't in five to ten years' time. I don't think we'll look back on it and go, "Oh my god, how fucking amazing was 2023." But I also don't think it was dreadful. I think the fact that we had it was the tournament that's really we've been talking about this for a long, long time. But it was the tournament that really highlighted the strength in depth in the sport right now. The fact that Matt Porter said it best: the fact that we lost the top four players in the world and absolutely nobody is talking about it, devaluing the tournament, devaluing the achievement, devaluing the level or performance or, or the quality says absolutely everything about it. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the sense of it being a, a good tournament and not a brilliant one. Sometimes you can get caught up in the moment of it being that moment happened and it was straight away. So it must be amazing. It must be brilliant. But actually, when you look back at it in comparison to previous years, I think there's... Um, it won't stand out as one of the best ever match plays, but it will stand out as a very good one. Um, I think we need to mention the crowd because I think generally they were 10 times better than what there was the previous year when we had concerns that Blackpool crowd was going to turn how we've seen some of the crowds in abroad. I think that then added to it and there was certain moments, especially um, you'd sort of ask Warthouts where they were at class, but... I guess we looked at more around when the game's taking place and I think there was respect throughout the week. I can't really think of any moments. I'm sure someone had picked it out if there was. Uh, and there wasn't. But generally, I think the tournament was very, very good. And I think it took a lot of us by surprise because especially how well some of the big players were playing coming into this, a lot of people were just expecting sort of an MVG prize. And it did just show that not just your up-and-coming sort of not quite one of your Humphreys-type players, but actually anyone within that 32 is capable of beating any of the top boys on their day. And it, it turned out to be a very good tournament for different reasons. Yeah. I mean, we had 30 of the world's top 32 involved, didn't we, because of the way that the pro tour to merit tops up. So there were, there were two that didn't quite make it. But there wasn't a shed load of upsets. I think there was four non-seeded players make it through the first round it's about average for the match play fair enough but actually in the build-up to this we were talking about how quality this could be and how many upsets there could be on the cards i think the draw put an end to an awful lot of that straight up there, there was plenty of matchups actually players on the order of merit side of the draw perhaps would have given other players a run for their money i just think it matched up pretty terribly actually for for the non-seeds in, in that early stages but look, we still had the upsets, didn't we? We still had that big performance from Brendan Dolan to not Mark Van Gerwen out after he was so impressive in Poland before. Uh, we, we still had the big runs from Johnny Clayton to go and produce, from Nathan Aspinall. It was solid. I, I just think that there was an absence of memorable individual moment. Like Nathan Aspinall's walk-on, brilliant, but we've seen walk-on similar or, or, to be honest, even better than, than that in the past. Um there was no knowing data. There was no big controversial moment. There was no absolute last leg decider at any point. We had a couple go to extra time, but nothing that went to that, that sort of death leg sort of thing. There was no real standout one moment you're going to return to on this tournament, I think, in comparison yeah. to previous years gone by. Yeah, for, for me, um, I'm putting it average to good. Like, like I agree with what you boys said. There were moments of, of magic and it did showcase, completely agree that the top four 
are not as maybe as important as what people think because there was still a good tournament. But absolute perfect timing while the PBC currently have a survey out about the Premier League, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but I just think it missed that it was missing that stardust that we associate with the match play. The venue was there, the crowd was there, but the tournament just missed that that little bit of magic and that little bit of stardust on, on top for me. That's not saying it was bad but by any stretch, because there, like I say, there were moments of of brilliance, but it was just missing something, that, that little ingredient that makes you think back to like the, the year that Gary won it. That's one that instantly sticks in my mind as one of the one of the best match play tournaments because it had a bit of everything. Where this one, I agree with you, we're not going to remember it as a as a whole tournament. Yes, we will remember how brilliant Nathan was in, in winning it and stuff like that, but we're not going to remember the early rounds in this one in three or four years' time. Yeah, I think on that on that Nathan point, I know we'll touch upon the, the Danes in a minute, but it's it's because it's going to be memorable for a little sprint in the game. If Nathan performs that sprint across the whole game, then it probably would be a memorable final because of that manner of performance. But it's because it was that little spell where I say little spell, it was ten heads, but it was that spell in the game where he's dominated. But he hasn't dominated for the the whole game itself, um, which probably then makes it a bit different. Yeah, I I I, I agree. Um, so let, let, let's jump in. What was your Tie of the first round. Actually, two, two, double-ended question. Tie and biggest disappointment of the first round. Oh, I don't know. That second one straight away. As in match or individual? Whatever you like. I think you have to look at Daryl Gurney, Rob Cross. In consideration, one of the two games to go to extra legs. I thought there was moments of brilliance from both. They both produced a, a decent level in that. In terms of one of the better ones, Ryan Searle's performance against Raymond Van Barneveld was absolutely outstanding. Um, I really like the Dimi Ross Smith game, but that first break just came at the complete wrong time for Ross Smith, and I think it killed off the complete rest of the match. They started really, really good between them. My biggest upset by an absolute country mile is just how poor Andrew Gilding was. Yeah, I, 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 he's in there. I'm also putting Barney in that category. I thought Barney was a huge disappointment. Yeah, but Barney was coming in off pro tour form. Fair enough. Andrew Gilding's coming in as a man that has won a major this year. Well, look, it's the UK Open, the run can open up, whatever. But compared to the level that Andrew Gildon produced to win that and has produced on the floor to win Pro Tours, etc., that was dreadful. Against the Peter Wright, who frankly was there for the taking. He was, but is that Andrew Gildon now trying to cope with a different pressure? It's like winning a tournament as an underdog, but it's a different kind of pressure when you have won one. Potentially. I mean, we saw Aspinall struggle with that adjustment when he moved from being the underdog that won the UK Open to being a man that people are hunting. It's taken him five years to, to get back to that level, pretty much. Johnny Clayton struggled with that after that year where he won four majors, or albeit one ranked, um, which completely fell wrong for him, didn't it? Um, but 
maybe maybe Gildan struggling with exactly the same thing, but I just thought the level of performance. Um, well, just I just expected more from him. I, I expected him to dictate the pace a little bit more as, as he's capable of. I thought he allowed Wright to do that. I thought he showed that a little bit too much respect, if that's possible. And I just don't think he produced what anywhere near what he's capable of. I don't even think that was his B or C game. From a, from a game of the first round, it's hard not to look for me at Damien Ross Smith because I think he had a lot of a lot of drama. Ross Smith's sort of antics going in lead one and lead two seemed to be a bit peaking too soon um, and then seeing Dimi react and the quality of game I thought was very good. From a disappointment, not the lie, I was quite disappointed. I predicted Damar to beat Josh Rock, but I was disappointed with Josh Rock's performance. Yes, there was all the, the war time with what Damo done, but I have to think Josh Roth didn't know what to do and just didn't turn up. The manner of performance, I think, was disappointing. And then, yeah, you're probably looking at building. I think we let him Jose off lightly because Lou Humphrey's played well. I think still words need to be said about Jose's performance because I think he was very poor and I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm starting to fall in the Phil Bar's camp of him not being great when that pressure's on because the, Luke played very, very well. And there's no denying that Luke played very, very well. But he had absolutely nothing coming back at him. I think the difference between looking at Jose's performance here and some of the others is I had very little expectation from Jose in this encounter. Yeah, but... He's up I, against I, a very, very good look. Don't get it wrong, former major champion, granted. But I think the questions have been there for long enough now about can he deliver with a crowd behind him? He won that slam behind closed doors, haven't really seen him deliver since. Um, and he's playing a player who nine times out of ten right now doesn't he doesn't get anywhere near. Luke Humphreys is just playing brilliant. Yeah, but Whereas the other ones we've spoken about, Andrew Gildan should have beaten Peter Wright on current form. But Andrew, you say on current form, is Utah Open win. Other than that, over the past however long, his form hasn't been at that manner of beating Peter Wright with an, a, a solid performance. Wasn't great, but it was still he was doing solid. Doing a pro tour, though, hasn't he? Whereas Peter Rock's just not picked up a dart for three months. Let's oh, bet right to through that, but it's um, yeah. There's there's always going to be those few disappointments because of how difficult it is to win on that stage. As people like Chris Dalby will tell you, after only winning for the first time in what five attempts, um, and wasn't the only one. That was that was one other game I wanted to chuck into consideration. I thought James Wade Chris Derby was actually a really, really good game. I thought Chris Derby played very, very well. Wadey let him get out to an early run. Didn't think you could probably do that against Chris Derby, but in the past, that's the sort of game that perhaps Chris may have let slip from a position in front if somebody's coming at you with a pressure that James Wade started throwing at him and he held on brilliantly. Another one that was given the big billing... Uh, as a game, I didn't think it was great, but also <coughs> someone needs to have a word with Dave Chisnell. Well, the game itself didn't deliver. However, those that back end of his dart does not work. And there are too many darts on the floor. Right? We're no technical experts. However, since he's gone to that molded flight and stem. He has more darts on the floor than anyone, and it's becoming an issue now. 
becoming an issue on TV, where he's under more pressure, on the floor, yeah. his level is higher than it's been. You look at where he is on that Pro Tour Order of Merit and, and year-to-date Order of Merit, Dave Chisnell is right at the top. It's one of his most productive seasons on the floor we've seen for a long, long time. But I, it, big TV situations where Dave Chisnell has the major record that he does for a player of his calibre, he will be, without being in as many finals, he... He's, he's this generation's Terry Jenkins right now. I, I agree. His floor form has been good. But in the greatest of respects, the way the PDC is set up, your floor form doesn't mean shit because it doesn't get you picked for anything. Mm-hmm. If you want to get picked for big events as invites and everything so on, it's what you do on TV. But is, is, this, is the solution then that he changes or is the solution that he has a TV darts and floor darts? Because you don't really want to impact what he's doing on the floor. Because if you then change them to have something that work that potentially could work on TV and impact your floor form, then you're in a whole heap of trouble. For me, I go back to the old setup. He was still winning titles with the old setup. Just not as consistent. Oh, then on the floor. Um. So, I, I, I don't know, but that we just don't see that Chizzy was disappointing. And it was actually being spoken about in the press room as well, that before the game, it was like, everyone was like, I think Gary wins a close one because Chizzy has too many darts on the floor. That was the exact conversation amongst pundits and analysts. So, but I, 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 I was disappointed with with Chiz, if I'm being honest. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, just on one comment in there, Sam's put the heat on the stage impacted him. The one thing I'd say about the heat on the stage, compared to other years, compared to other years, it wasn't hot in there at all. No. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But but players speaking as well in interviews, it wasn't mentioned. And the fact in Blackpool, it's always mentioned. Um, is that because the aircon was on and worked and they managed to find a way where it doesn't affect the stage? Because there was talk that there was aircon in the venue before. So if they managed a way to no, I don't think so. air I the don't... building out without affecting a draft? I just don't think it was hot full stop from being in there. Even the practice room upstairs in the balcony that is normally sweltering was perfectly manageable. Yeah. yeah. For me. Um, before we go on to round two, uh, Pete is in. How are we doing yet? Yeah, um, I agree with this comment as well. Um, it's something I'm going to bring up later on that I think the calendar needs tweaking. That we're always going to have the same thing. I just think it needs to be evened out a little bit more. Um, but round two delivered, and we lost the world number one and world champion. In round two, boys, which I'm not surprised that Chris has beaten him because Chris is a more than capable player. But it was more the, the manner that Chris looked comfortable against Bully Boy. Chris, in this game, looked to me like Michael Smith did last year. Like he was coming of age and is, is set to deliver something big. He's finding a way to stay calm under pressure up on stage. Or up until that moment, he was. Um, Dob, Dob, is that is that a year in the prem? Is that, what? is that him no. having a year in the prem that may have 
may have got him now to a stage where he's more comfortable on stages. We know what he can come off it. I think the fact he's played 17 weeks on TV and it's just another thing at that point, yes. Not necessarily the fact that it's the Premier League or the people he's playing. The fact that it's 17 weeks up on TV, back to back to back to back to back, it is is so... It's just another thing then. And and once being on TV just becomes another thing to some of these players, like it is to Van Gerwen and like it is to Gerwin Price, it doesn't make a great deal of difference to them. I think that's where Chris Dobie is now approaching because if we're being honest, he has lost in the past in TV tournaments, matches that he should have won, matches where the pressure's got to him a little bit. You can see it in him. You can see it in the way that he acts on stage. You can see it in the way that the darts start changing. You can see it in his facial expressions, that sort of thing. And there was just a steeliness to him in these first two rounds. All right, It didn't quite continue against Nathan Aspen. I thought he went a little bit back to the old Dobie at times in, in the following round. But the way that he just held Michael Smith off at arm's length, I thought was exceptional from from a man that actually possibly doesn't have that reputation or characteristic normally associated with him. Yeah. Um, The Nopper-Aspinall game was interesting because it shouldn't have been this close. Yeah. Aspinall bossed the game but found a way to give Noppet chances. Yeah, it shouldn't have been any uh, anything near the storyline it was. He just couldn't get rid of him. Um, and it was just opportunities that Ash was missing and Noppet was cleaning up with. But start of things done for the Asp. There's, there's two ways to look at that one as well. It was, it was so uncharacteristically Danny Noppet in the first round game against Martin Schindler to give up his throw so much. It yeah. then went back the other way. The, the the best thing we've said about Danny Noppert for the last nine months is he's like a new version of James Wade. James Wade, he is so difficult to beat on his own throw. And it, it was so uncharacteristic the way that Martin Schindler was taking his throw away in, in that first round. It, it sort of returned in that second round, but it always felt like he was clinging on that little bit. Yeah, Um uh, guys, I'm stuck. Uh, please don't think we're ignoring. There's some really good questions in the chat room about pit players being too friendly, um, energy levels. I am starring them, and we will talk about them collectively once we've looked back at the match play, everyone. Some great questions, so keep them coming. I am starring them as they're coming in. Um, look, the Joe Cullen, Gerwin Price game had just about everything. Cullen was brilliant at the start, went off the boil, looked done. Looked absolutely done when Gezi went in front. And then he found something from the gods. The finishing was just on point. This game had everything. Yeah, this for me was probably one of the standout nights. And this game was the standout of that night for me. You you look at all them four games and the result. I wouldn't be surprised if someone picked Smith, Price, Noppy and Anderson to come through that night. And it actually went the other way around. It was a positive... Potential that someone would have done that way, at least two or three of them. Um, but huge congrats to Joe Cullen and how he done through this game because how he started, this should have been done and dusted because he was unbelievable at the start of this game. And then he was dreadful. And normally, if someone's done on that, when you've got Price firing back at you, there's not a way back. So the fact he's done through this in extra time and winning it with that 112. And um, for me, will stand out as one of the dangers of this tournament. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And then, look, I'm going to say it now. This is the best version of Daryl Gurney in a one-off game that I saw. In a big game. With world number three players' championship and and Grand Prix champion Daryl Gurney. The finishing stats were sensational. There's almost... It sounds bitter, right? But when Gary Anderson plays the way that he does and only picks up four legs, you feel a little bit robbed, especially when you drop from 104 average to averaging 87 in the first 12 legs of the next game. Yeah. Like, I know we've seen that with Dolan knocking Van Gogh up. And look, it's sport, it's part and parcel. Sometimes that big performance just can't be backed up. But you do feel a little bit aggrieved when someone's playing as well as they have as Gary Anderson. He's gone, actually, mate, you weren't touching him. You are not laying a glove on him at all. There was absolutely nothing Gary Anderson could do. You, you can look at the double stats in that one and say, well, actually, Gary's wasn't great. But a lot of them were pop shots at the bullseye from a long way back because he was just not within touching distance at all. Daryl Gurney was exceptional. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just the manner of the performance. It was his persona on stage that we've seen him being visibly frustrated quite a lot. And yes, when you're playing this stuff, you're not going to have that frustration. But it was also a very calm performance because there was very little interaction with his family and friends in this one. It was just solely focused on getting the job done. And the manner of the performance, uh, as I said, is one of is one of the reasons why this was the night of um, tournament for me. Um, right against so this was the Peter Wright we we, we are expecting. Um, Average just under 92. And again, I thought Ryan Sell bossed most of this game. It's probably a little bit closer than perhaps it should have been. Uh, we saw a couple of dart switches from Peter Wright. Um, are the concerns now that the Peter Wright form, we're now seven months into the season and there's no sign. And I know pre-tournament, we spoke about it and God was adamant. He'd go back to the golds and he'd find something. He went back to the gold elements and the tank was still empty. I I think there's a worry there. I think there's a worry there before this. The manner of the first round result was good. It was, like I said earlier, it was a professional performance to that past building, but it wasn't outstanding. Um, w looked totally confused. Um, but the worrying well, thing was the performance on Twitter. But too, I definitely didn't say that about right in this tournament. You did. I, I backed Gildin to beat the fucker. Yeah, but you said he'd go back to his gold elements and find something. Which he did in the first round. He adjusted the point a little bit. He went to a slightly smaller point and changed a flight. And he looked all right for 12 legs. No, for a man absolutely. that hasn't played in 12 weeks. He averaged 96 and was 40% on the doubles. You know, we're comparing Peter Wright to vintage Peter Wright. Yeah, but still, he's not played in 12 weeks. That performance against a difficult Gildan, even if there's not a lot coming back at him, was decent. The but following he's still, round, he's not still so great, and he's pissing around this setup again, by the way. And he still used the golds against Searle and found nothing. After five legs, when he pissed around with the old Whitlock darts, thank you very much. Five, five, legs, out, five legs out of 19. If he'd started with the golds, it would have been all right. <laughs> Um, but look, Sir, Sir was reproducing the form that got him to the Players' Championship Finals, which is good to see because it was a concern that he was sloping off. Um, 
Yeah, Johnny Clayton. More weight is the answer to a 32. Yeah, more round. weight. Mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, Johnny Clayton absolutely obliterated Dimitri Vandenberg. And look, we'll talk about Clayton more at, at, at the end. But this was not a performance I was expecting Dimitri to throw in after recent TV form. No, is there is there a is there a potential there that the emotion of Johnny had an impact on Dimitri? I think we were talking about it midday, Phil, and I said said to you, what Dimitri should really do here is for him is do what he's done before at the match play and slow the game down. But because of that respect that he had for for Johnny, is that something that was maybe playing on his mind? And it was sort of the flip of what the occasion was. It was a disappointment. Dimi was expected to win this game probably because of everything that was going on away from the stage. And it was very, very disappointing. But it's harsh to take anything away from Johnny in this because the manner of his first round win to then this performance um, was top-notch. Dob, you've, you've looked confused the whole show. Yeah, because... <laughs> <laughs> Aside from Poland, which we're classing as recent TV performances, the time before we saw Dimitri was the Premier League. And to be quite honest, he was shite. He wasn't yeah, great on the floor either. He put together three good performances in Poland. And you're going, oh yeah, recent TV performance. And if you look at that, he's a dark a double percentage where you expect him to be. Didn't he win the last night? Didn't he win the last night of the Premier League? Yeah, he plays... Recent TV form, he played, he played well in New York, well in Poland, and well in the World Cup. So there's three tournaments we're basing it off of. The third one's a stretch. I thought he, I thought he played well in the World Cup. Even better if he wasn't too busy playing kiss and make up. Well, yeah, but <laughs> I actually thought he played well in the World Cup. <laughs> so you forgot two, two, two TV tournaments that he played in. To this New York don't count, does it? Fallon <laughs> <laughs> wasn't um, in New York, it doesn't count. <laughs> um, look, Brendan Dolan had an absolute meltdown from a solid performance to beat Michael Van Gerwen to an absolute disaster on the match play stage against Damon Hetter. Yeah, it was the a lot of people predicted a drop in Brendan because of the high of beating MVG and it, it was a huge high. There was question marks during that game with MVG of will Brendan be able to get over the line? MVG's back into it. And he saw that off. There was just a huge dip and no probably surprise on Hetter there in the win. I know we thought into it strong the favourite, but no surprise on him. But I don't think anyone expected it to be with the ease that it was. Um and it I think because it, it it was so easy it took the crowd out of that game where in the first round and the quarterfinal of Hetters, the crowd were involved. Um, but the second round, there was not a lot that could do because Hetter was in total control. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, quarterfinals, I wouldn't say there was any real drama in these quarterfinals. I think they were four decent games. I wouldn't say that any were big shocks. I think they were both, they were all of them were could have gone either way pre-tournament or pre pre-match. I wouldn't say that they're their quarterfinals that we'll remember. I just thought they were four decent games of darts up there. Well, yeah, the quarterfinals probably sum up the question at the start around was it a a bad, good or excellent tournament? And it was there were a good tournament and this was a 
a dub set of quarterfinals. We've we've now sort of stand out Dane, um, all delivering to that standard of being what between 16, 11 and 16, 14, 13. Yeah. They all there were aspects of them that was dub Luke Humphreys against Damo. Luke seemed to be one Damo sort of had a little run and then done. Similar with the rest of them, really. Johnny and Saul were close and then Johnny run away with it. There was all the quarterfinals that missed that spark. Yeah. Um, semi-finals. Um, Joe didn't really turn up against Nathan. I think that's a a, a fair one. And Nathan had, had it pretty much his, his own way and won the big moments. I think Joe scored all right. He just had an absolute disaster on the outer ring. And I don't think it was choking or bottling or whatever people will throw it. I just think that some of them were really well thrown darts. It just wasn't his night. Sometimes they just don't go for you. And I think that's exactly what happened to Cullen. Yeah, and from then, 40% to 23, 24% round to round, you just, obviously the quality of players normally they're going to increase. You can't afford that drop. I don't think he played too bad though. I think he's quite deceiving the average on that. And then the bottom one was just an unbelievable game. Um, one, one way, then, then the next. But Luke Humphreys, would he look back and see this as a missed opportunity? Because there were chances there to get the game done. There were chances to open up a bigger lead in the early part. I thought once they got level again, I've been saying this all week, to be honest, on, on the fallout bar, you're still expecting those tight moments that, that Johnny Clayton isn't really the one that's renowned for scrapping out wins yet he's, he's won those key moments against Ryan Surley's won those key moments against Luke Humphreys in turn his finishing all week apart from in the final was absolutely ridiculously different level for a tournament I don't think I've seen stats like that for a long long time apart from peak MVG 2017 era like that that's how good he was um missing the big number though is absolutely criminal to do it once to do it twice just uh, and he will kick himself, but again, it's it's those moments where I learn from it as well. That's the pressure that Johnny Clayton put him under in a situation that he probably shouldn't have been in from six, eight, ten legs before that. Yeah, um, it felt like if Johnny was going to take the lead, then he was going to win the game. It felt it was that simple of a game to watch because Humphreys just held him off. I think he got back to one, two or three times. And then he pushed him away, then maybe three lads in front. And it was like, it just felt like if Johnny got in front, and even though Johnny had the throw, if he had get that back to level, then hold, which he did at 14 13, that then seemed to be crucial that Clayton would then go on. And sometimes sports throws up a lot of stories, and it has done this week. But I think in this one, we I think we sort of thought that if it got to a close day, and that Johnny would take it over loot with it being on a TV stage. Yeah, agreed. And then the final. You look at the scoreline and it looks like a demolition job. And after halfway, it was. But the first 10 legs, Nathan said it himself, he wasn't sure how he was five apiece. However, from five apiece, the Asp did some special things, boys, in the final. It should have been at least 7-3, if not 8-2, Clayton, at the at 10 it was that much. And obviously, he sat next to you watching it, Phil. We were a bit like, we're a little worried here for Johnny that he's not in front. Because Astrid only get better. Yes, I, I, no one would have predicted the 
jump up from the first 10 legs to the next 10 legs. But he was only going to get better. And even if Johnny would have just maintained where he was at, there was a worry then. But it's hard to take anything away from Nathan Aspinall in this final and look at Johnny because Aspinall was just that. Was it 14, 11, 12, 13? And then yeah. I want to say 18 was the last one. But even then he had, I think he had four, maybe five darts at a double in that last one. Johnny was nowhere near, but there was nothing he could do. I think Ashton won 13 out of 14 legs or something yeah. from five all. But that, that five, the first five, just to have that 10 5 lead, just gave him the confidence. Yes, he went on and won another six um, to make it 11 on the spin, but that first five just seemed to be too much for Johnny. Um, and it was just an outstanding performance. And then this is where average is a bit deceiving because those 10 legs were outstanding, but he's only averaged 96. But that shows how bad he played in the first 10, but still was five apiece. Well, and the back end as well. Once the damage had been yeah. done, he took his foot off the gas. Like, I think Johnny's finishing stats are a bit deceptive as well. Like, he hasn't missed a lot in those first 10 legs. Aspinall pinched a couple of ton pluses out of absolutely nowhere that, that's kept him in it, basically, at that point. It's the back end. But at that point, like, misses six in the last leg. Six yeah. from 19 is a completely different number to six from 25. But let's be honest, the crowd got involved a bit. And at that very last moment, I don't think Johnny wanted to be there. The game had gone that far. He was yeah. got 12 legs back in a row. Like It's incredibly unlikely. I'm not going to say just threw the towel in, but actually the focus when those darts just started sitting high and he wasn't pinning that dart a double first time and having the confidence to spin back around and go, come on, let's go again sort of thing. I just think he sort of accepted his fate at that point and was just like, do you know what? He's been the better man here. Let, let's just... Get off of it. <laughs> that percentage, as we're saying about for Johnny, the 45% for Aspinall doesn't feel right. It's only a couple of leads. I think it was the going into the break that led to, um, sorry, when he won the five and he was the 18 data, he missed four in that one. Yeah. That puts him way over 50%. Towards the end, he missed a couple of matched off before he went on and won it. You know, if he, if he just cleans those up, that doubling percentage is as good as what Dernie's was in the second round and it's around that 60% mark. When it mattered, Aspinall was finishing everything. It was a it was a great win and a yeah, very good, a very good final. Doubles before that final leg. Yeah, a, ve a very good final for an eighteen sits, which we can't always say about some that we've seen before. It was still a very good final. Yeah, right. We've got a couple of clips. I've got. We'll play the Aspinall winner clip first of all. The end did. <laughs> I the start of it. I was absolutely bricking it. I'm not going to lie. I was so nervous um, all day. I've been I've, I've been thrown up. <laughs> I've been so nervous uh, all day, and uh, I got on there. And I think again that might be why I was so poor first ten legs. But um, again, I hit that one eighty, and actually settled me really, really like so much. And uh, yeah, at the end to, to get to get the kids on stage, that's all they've got to do all weekend. But especially Millie, she's only five. She's like, I want you. I want to get on, on stage and have a picture with you. And um, yeah, they've, they've been great all week. They've supported me, and uh, I'm just so happy for, for me and my family. You know, I said before, I got Smithy's flights in my darts case. I lied to him when he when he when he gave him. I said they're for my kids, they're for me. Keeping my darts case for motivation. You know, if he, he can be world champion, world number one, I don't believe that I can. Um, so I've got pictures of my kids. I got Smithy's flights there. <laughs> Might be sad to some people, but I use stuff like that as inspiration and. Uh, yeah, this is this is the, a step in the right direction. You know, I think he sat at home happy for me, like I was when he won the Worlds. You know, imagine him, me and him next year in the World Cup team, because that, that's something I really want to do. Um, I think it'd be great. And, 
yeah, because steps in the right direction and, uh, you know, roll on New Zealand at weekend. I love that. I love the fact he's nicked Smithy's flights as inspiration. Anything you can do, I can do. Yeah, and I, I, I really like that. Yeah, but choosing whatever you need to inspire yourself to push on to do great things and he's done something because Michael Smith was a world champion seven months ago and it's inspired Aspinow to go on and pick up the set and finished. Um, we're going to play a clip from jo Johnny's semi-final and then we'll discuss. You know, I've got total respect for Luke because he's going to win major titles time after time, time after time. He's fantastic. This is but tonight's night is my night. It's fairest night. This is some journey you've been on, winning titles. However, you've always said they were the unranked ones, the, the Premier League and, and so on. Tomorrow, is this the biggest night of the Ferret's career? Yeah, 100%. You know, um, it's for my second ranked title. So, um, yeah, the trophy's a little bit bigger. And all jokes aside, it would mean everything to me. It would mean everything. I'm going to go out there tomorrow and I'm sure Nathan will too. And we're going to give it everything we got. Hopefully it's going to be a belter. And hopefully it's my night. We know that you're a big family, man. What does it mean to have the kids here shouting you on when you are in a bit of trouble? <laughs> yeah, I look at my son, Theon, and he looks at me sometimes as if to say, I could do better than that, Dad. But <laughs> no, generally, you know, without them here, you know, it just gives me something extra. You know, I'm back. Obviously, Ellen's not here because she's back with Dad. And, you know, we always speak on FaceTime and we always... And she's jeering me on. She's giving me the, the finger as if to say, you play well tonight. And then that voice of Dad saying, good luck, Johnny Boy, means the world to me. You touched on it there. What does that mean? Because everything you've gone through yeah. and the words that your dad have given you all on the line tonight... Oh, everything, pal. You, you won't believe it. it. It means everything. Yeah. He was an inspiration last week. That... Round one, we saw the manner of the performance, but I think only people started to realise there was something wrong during that first interview on, on the stage, and he didn't come back and do any press after game one. Um, obviously, we were told that, that his dad's not well and, and whatever, and he opened up through the week. To, to do what he did under that pressure with everything that was going on is just remarkable. It is, and it, as well as Nathan has played, you don't want to take anything away. You can't just hand out to people, but actually, I don't think anybody would have begrudged Johnny Clayton lifting that title at the end of the week. Like, I love the line that you only get fairy tales in sport, and that really would have been right out there with one of them. I thought he handled himself brilliantly throughout the week. His, his composure on the outer ring and his finishing was a, at a level above what we're used to seeing from Johnny Clayton. And to do that whilst your mind is elsewhere 70% of the time it's, it's just staggering like the focus that it takes to play this game at the very very top level and to check out the consistency that Johnny Clayton did is staggering and he's, he's done it without having that focus like to, to get through that at the level he did is just outstanding and I guess it does I agree with all that dub around it, it was the manner of it was just ridiculous from Johnny the the performances there's only one win there that he's not played well. The rest of them he's played 
I think we was looking at his tournament average going into the final was like 96. That doesn't that accounts for the really bad. Yeah, that accounts for the really bad first round as well in there that shows that he was just fantastic throughout. Uh, I guess one thing it shows is dart isn't the most important thing in the world. So when something's happening, but there's a lot of players who are playing with it is the most important thing on the world. I know we've we talked about loot and him down to win a TV one. Michael Smith up until 10 months ago down to pick up a TV one. Because they solely focused on it, the fact that he wasn't Johnny's main focus that week probably helped him relax a little bit more on stage than what he may have done going into the quarterfinal and semi-final. There's always that sort of way of looking at it, but I've never known anyone say a bad word about Johnny Clayton. The players, the fans, there's never a bad word about uh, Johnny and the fact he's done on to make the final with everything that's done on, he's still an outstanding achievement and there is more titles for Johnny. He only won the World Cup what, a month ago, which is quite easy to forget. There, there is more titles for Johnny. That's undoubtedly, I think, because he's that good. Yeah, look, just absolute kudos, and I hope his dad is is okay um, because we saw what it meant to him. Um, from there, we're going to go to the women's world match play, the second showing of it. First up, thoughts on the tournament as a whole for the women? Yeah, I thought it was okay. I thought the level was okay. I mean, Bo at one point produced one of the best averages we've seen, as did Makuru in terms of that tournament. I mean, it's only two years old. I think that those of us that follow the women's series are aware of just what some of these players can do. I think a lot of them under-delivered, especially that final four, if I'm being completely honest. I thought the, the first four matches when they were that little bit closer probably had more drama than than the semis and the final. Um, I thought, despite the results, Robin Byrne is probably one that's gained more than, than anyone else in this tournament. I thought she was exceptional. That game against Rano Sullivan was superb um, to win it in the manner that she did, given the way that they both played, I thought was was superb. And I think she's the one that will really have, have gained from this in this field. I, I don't think Lisa's going to learn anything from being up there now at, at this stage of her career. I think Makura has been there and done it enough. Um, we, we know what Fallon's capable of. So obviously, she didn't deliver in, in that game against Lisa on last. Difficult to, to battle against someone that had so many battles with in the past and produces defending champion with the pressure that comes with being Fallon Sherrick, quite frankly, but the the one that's really gained here is Robin Byrne. I thought she was exceptional. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, the, the win over Rianne, Rianne at the time had averaged the highest in the match play so far over the two years. And um, the fact Robin won it the way she did, I can't remember if Rianne was sat on a double or on a two dot out shot and she was tops. tops. And Rianne took out 95 as clean as you can take out a 95 on the treble 19. Part of me thought, with it being the moment it was, that Robin was an adult for bullseye first start. Obviously, to give herself at least a... It was just fantastic um, from Robin. And the 5-3 probably looks closer of a game than it was because Bo went off and was well in front and then Robin fought back. Um, but I agree, generally, I thought she can take an awful lot from it. 
from a field himself, it's worrying that Bode Reeves didn't play to a best and only dropped four legs. The fact you just turned through the field with complete and utter ease doesn't show that there's going to be domination in the women's game because we've seen, we've, well, we've now got two different match play champions. We've seen that we've people can beat both, and as we've saw recently on the women's series. But her A game seems to be better than the others, and the fact that she didn't have her A game and still won the tournament could be a little concern or to be more motivation for the rest of the women in the field. I think it will go 50-50, that last point. I think for some it will motivate. The likes of Sherrick and Byrne, they've got something to chase. I'm not sure we're going to see Lisa return to the to the very, very top now since she lost her tour card. I know she had an injury. She struggled a bit with that. We've seen her on TV a few times in seniors' events. We've seen her playing this now back-to-back. Uh, and we, we've seen her on the, the, uh, the Women's Series 4 events as well. She doesn't quite have the same impact anymore but also at the same time a she's not producing that that top top level as consistently but b i think where people have beaten lisa ashton now in the last couple of years that aura has gone and there is still that around bow and that's what the field are going to have to do very very quickly because whilst you said that the level doesn't necessarily point towards domination just just how comfortable the bow was the longer the winning streaks that Bo keeps going on, if she returns to the Women's Series again this weekend and picks up four titles again, as she's more than capable of, the more difficult it gets to beat Bo Greaves. Because then it's such a big deal to go and beat her in those moments and you get to two-all or you get to three-two up like Robin Byrne was. And if Bo flicks a switch and produces a back-to-back 180s like she did at one point, I think it was in that Robin Byrne game, to, to turn it a little bit, you start panicking, you start wobbling. We've seen it in the past with... Phil Taylor, right, Phil Taylor's here now, and you crumble. You see it with Van Gerwen in his prime. He switches it on. How many last leg deciders did Van Gerwen win on the Euro Tour? Rob, uh, Bo Greaves is heading for that level of fear from the rest of the field because her A game is capable of being turned on at such a flick of a switch. You feel like everybody else in the field, if it's there from the start, it might be there at the end. Or they can produce it for A game, but they're not going to suddenly find an 11 dart leg out of absolutely nowhere, anywhere near as consistently or as often as Bo Greaves can. Yeah, I, I agree with all the points. As a whole, I was disappointed with the tournament in the respect of we've seen the standard on the women's series rise so much that we see more averages in and around that 85 to 92 mark that the women have produced brilliant stuff on the floor. And I think that also highlights the issue that they don't get enough TV time. That they're just thrown into a TV event now. And look, there there was nerves there. You can see that. Bo said it in her post-match stuff on the Saturday that she was nervous heading here. And I think that maybe there needs to be a little bit more exposure um, for them whether that's another TV event to get them playing more on TV. Um, if the, if there's not, the only thing we didn't see, which is to be expected, is let's say it's Bo, Matura and Fallon. The only thing we didn't see is a split in the, those two or three and the rest of the field because the others are going to let TV exposure by picking up these events. Bo's now going to play in the Grand Slam and the uh, Worlds where the rest of the field is in that, in that TV exposure. Yes, you should get more because she's won the, the title and rightfully so. But the rest of the field are not going to get anything until next July, if it continues the way it does. 
Yeah, I think the problem is fitting it in in the schedule, isn't it? Like they've created this extra session at the match play. You spoke to Matt Porter and he said that actually at the minute increasing that is incredibly difficult for them in terms of sustaining it. It's not. It, he felt that an increase after just two years in in the, the size of the field or over extra sessions would be an increase for the sake of an increase rather than make it ultra competitive. People dying to get into there basically. And then making that increase, it still didn't sell out. And that's a concern as well because it's it's got to fund itself. A, cu- a couple of bits on that. One, it sold more than last year, so it is going up. Yeah. But and, to and- just say, right, let's stick a second session in there again, I think creates an issue with that. You think how long it took, how, how big the demand had to be at Ali Pali before they even considered reconfiguring that room to get more people in also if you want to sell more tickets just based on what blackpool is and what happens in blackpool then put the women's on the saturday yeah because the sunday afternoon session (coughs) what's a good place to put it in relation to everyone going out on an absolute bender on a saturday night in blackpool yeah correct but then you are also up against more sport than any other time slot possible even in the summer where there's no football. Agreed. But that's that's Saturday afternoon is prime for the likes of your F1, West Sky, your main broadcaster. You're going to run into the Olympic Games next year and or the Euros. Saturday afternoon will be a prime time spot in that. But you're still going to run into events on the Sunday afternoon, i.e. this weekend. You would have had the Ashes. Those sort of things would still have happened on the Sunday as well as the Saturday. I, I think there's a window there for the Saturday. Even if it's moving it for one year and keeping it as it is to, to see how that works. And so I'm sure like the scene ticket holders still get that as part of their sort of ticket. So they're in there. But then it looked better this year. I thought the crowd involvement in the women's game was more than what it was last year. Yeah. Um and a lot of them were there. When you looked at it, a lot of them there were in um Fallon shirts. And obviously with Fallon down at the quarterfinal, that still continued throughout the throughout the rest of the, the tournament. So it is one step forward, definitely, for the, the women's game. Um, I'm just unsure. There's a lot of the conversation was around the format and it, it needs to be longer. But you can in, you can enhance the format by having a, an extra day, but then you can't have 16 players because you'd probably still need to have eight and yeah. have the quarterfinals as a London game and then your semi-final and final on the Sunday anyway. So I don't think we're in a position where we could do both, where you could extend it to, I don't know, best of 19 or what, whatever it was, best of 17 at those earlier stages and also have 16 because then you need multiple sessions and I don't think it's ready for I that. It's slightly longer where you go maybe 6, 8 and 10 as your first to 6 first round, first to 8 semi-finals on the Saturday or the Sunday and then the first to 10 goes before the final on the Sunday night because there is time for that. That final could start at half 8, maybe even 9 o'clock Two hours should be plenty to get that done. You could start that women's final at quarter past seven, half seven. It's a warm-up for the crowd. They get more value for their money. I, I think they need to be kept separate. That That's where you'll have to see a growth. Is what you, I don't think you want to do is have that as part of a warm-up to the final. I think it then devalues the, the women's match play in itself. Have it as its own, own unique events that runs in its own session. So the last thing you want is you've been as a as a warm-up as such for the, the main match play. And then you still don't, you only got half the people in because they only wanted to come and see the main one anyway. 
I think it is it is difficult because it's then it right and then the right sport, but I would keep it as a unique event. One bit I don't get is on the women's series, on the women's series events, quarterfinals are first to five, yet quarterfinals in the TV event is first to four. That makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Timing though, isn't it? They play four quarterfinals all at once on the floor event. But still, you're playing a quarterfinal format on your tour, yet when you come to the stellar event for your tour, you're playing a short format. It makes no sense. <laughs> do you consider it a quarterfinal when there's only eight players there, or do you consider it a first round quarterfinal? It may well be with eight players, but actually it's still the first round of the tournament, and actually they've got to build it up. Is there not an opportunity to extend that window? Because we have we have two hours between the Sunday the first Sunday session finishes at five and the second one starts at seven. Here the women's finished at five from a TV perspective. The final then didn't start till eight o'clock. So is isn't there just a potential to increase the the error there either side of that? And then how you could have best of nine, best of nine, then best to eleven, and then it just increases that quarter final. I think it depends on your staffing, doesn't it? You, you look at the difference in commentary teams and actually production teams. It's a long week for them. Let's not forget that as well. But I know it's only an extra hour we're talking about, maybe. But it's an interesting one. But actually, back back to the darts itself. Can we kind of digressed? Um, yeah, look, Bo never looked in in any danger and lived up to the the billing of tournament favourite, bookies favourite without ever really needing to go to the places that she that she can go to. I think she produced it for about two legs against Robin Byrne from 3-2 down. Yeah. That was the only time she really had to turn it on. Makura, as, as mentioned previously, um, disaster of an opening leg meant she absolutely fell apart in that final. Yeah. Um, I don't needed to do anything in that. Robin, I think, was the closest to really, well, clearly, but was the closest to, to genuinely putting a dent in that. Um, Pete makes a good point as well. By winning and taking the world spot does do others favours. Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of friends like this and I've been calling them out for various other things all weekend as well. But, but those that are just happy to revel in misery throughout the weekend, I don't think they've taken that into account either, by the way, that actually by winning that is a better opportunity <laughs> to go and qualify for the World Championships. The one very thing that people have been slagging off going, oh, how are the PDC going to shoot? I was about to say that. Every comment is in a qualifying place right now. Every comment I've seen. shoehorn in right now at all. As soon as she lost, all the comments were like, how are the PDC going to get to the World Championships? Well, actually, she's in a spot right now because of Bo winning it. So you don't need to shoehorn her in. I mean, she's got to hold on to that. And the disappointment of this weekend... Followed up very, very closely by the fact that the next women's series is in five days' time. Might be a difficult thing to turn around, but the perfect way to get over that is to rock up yeah. wherever it is. Yeah, the and, 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 and there's, no, it's there's, no, there's the disappointment of there's the disappointment of losing in the quarterfinals and the manner of performance of losing in the quarterfinals. But there's the positive of never being in a world championship spot. So hopefully that motivation from Fallon's perspective will be all I need to do now is maintain, put the match play behind me, it's, it's done. 
that back there next year and try and win it for a second time. But it's still beyond just getting to that world championship because it's a it's now an opportunity. The worst thing that could have happened for Fallon and a couple of others there was probably looking at it, probably Robin or Lisa going on to pick it up from that semi-final. That would have changed it because Bowes has done as guaranteed as the one she said this year. Um, so that certainly helps. The Bowes final being it. the two that it was, where it played out perfectly as well, because that was the if you're Fallon, Cherok or in that camp and, and massively against it on social media, that, that's the point if you were looking at for the minute. Is yeah. When that final falls as Greaves versus Suzuki, Fallon is in that spot immediately. Like, it's just like to put a positive spin on absolute worst case for, for her is that actually that, and probably the rest of the pack as well, because Bo was so far ahead, right? That second spot is not unobtainable either. If Makuru misses a block or she has an absolute disaster because she gets her travel wrong or her preparation wrong once again, as we have seen her do, what is that? Two, eight events left, two blocks. Two blocks, two weekends. Yes. Two blocks of four. So if she misses one or has a disaster one prep-wise, she's 3,200 ahead of Robin Byrne when it's 2,000 for a win and Robin has won a tournament. Well, that, that, that's what I mean. That All of a sudden, everyone... Look, Bo is head and shoulders. She's everything. She's won the title. She's going to the slam. She's in the world. So now, all of a sudden, that title that Fallon won in the last block is huge because she's now in striking distance of second place. Yeah, is is the thing, um, but look, Bo was sensational in winning it. Congratulations to Bo. There's a couple of questions in the chat room as well on this on the women's series in general. Big Johnny says, "What else can you put in the calendar is stacked? If you're going to put another TV women's TV tournament in, you do it at something for me like the World Grand Prix, and you do." It run it along the men's and you put it into a session there. Yeah, there's there's opportunities to do it. There's like I says for me that there's a the window I would look at is the Saturdays and not the Sundays. So there's like the Grand Slam, for example, the second Saturday. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Only as an evening session. So you could have a... It'd be slightly... You wouldn't use the Grand Slam touch you've got women playing in there, but those are the windows I'd be looking at for those Saturdays, not the Sundays. Just to see if that has an impact, because this is your opportunity to try it. Um, I would like to see another one next year. Which one, I don't know. Because what I, the one thing I wouldn't want to see do is have the two TV events within two or three months of each other. And then you've sort of got nine months of no 
TV and then they're just back to back. So it is working out when that fits, if it's doing it in January, February time, or if it's doing it towards November, December. But what I wouldn't want it is to follow on very quickly. Or I think the other issue is that actually the minute you start putting on more and more women's only events, the more and more you start heading towards two separate tours. Here's one. The one for me is to get eight spots at the UK Open. Or could you do a Women's UK Open? Because upstairs in the multi-board room isn't used from, is it Saturday afternoon? And then it's not used Saturday night? No, it's you, not used Saturday night onwards. Saturday night. Although so they've got the new venue as well, haven't they? So you Sa- could, Saturday you afternoon it's used. Yeah, Saturday afternoon there's four boards, isn't there? So there's still two used. Yeah. But you, you could almost do a women's UK open. I again it does it coincide with the slam. My worry is with the UK open is I'm with Dob. I do want to see eight in that we've spoke about before. So now we're just looking at tournaments. You just don't I, I think there's it. room for eight in that main bit because at the moment the PDC's aspiration is still a fully integrated unisex tour. The more and more we go down the route of women's only match play, a women's Grand Prix, a women's UK Open, the more and more that moves away. Because at some point, if you still admire that that unisex tour, you have to cut these events again. I still think we're away from that. But the more and more you build them up, the more and more difficult it is to cut them without serious repercussions of people going, well, why are you taking these opportunities away? I think it's already passed. They are so I far think, behind. I think if you took the women's match play away now, you'd get that anyway. A hundred percent. But do you, do you know five to ten years of going? Matt said they give everything ten years as a basis. I don't see another one coming along next year. I think they're going to let this one run and see if it plays out and see if they can gradually sneak the average level up, especially on the women's series floor events. And if they're going to start generating more and more female players earning a tour card, that they have to be the aims for now. And look, you can you can give them more tools by doing that. You can give them more TV opportunities, but. I'm just not sure that that coincides of what they want to do. I think what they want to do, though, is still too far away. I still think we're looking at 10 to 15 years before that yeah. happens. I look at it the same way that you look at the argument that there aren't enough... You see it in cricket and you see it in football where they go, well, there aren't enough black managers in the Premier League or there aren't enough this or there aren't enough that. And, and that's an opportunities thing. It's not an ability thing. Yeah. But it takes time for A, people to step up and take those early opportunities, and B, that to then inspire another generation of people to follow in that footsteps. You look at the cricketers now, a large proportion of them were inspired by 2005. Yeah. The Cricket World Cup. The players that are going to get, the kids that are going to get inspired by the Cricket World Cup that England won a couple of years ago aren't going to be of the age to turn professional for another 10 to 12 years. It's an interesting one as well. Two of the PDC should have women's series order merit one year and two year prize money for women's series and, and match play and to seed the events. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm fully That's behind. The next year is rewarding the consistency of those already in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with that. The only the only thing that worries me around the, the system with that is the fact that we've got two different races and where that ranking was starting. Is the ranking starting from? January in a race for the World Championship or is the ranting starting from July for the match play? Same when as the men. The men's race for the match play starts from there. Yeah, but the 
the, the race for the world championship for the women's is different to the race to the match play. So where would their rankings go? Who would be world women's number one? Is that from December to December or is that from... Yeah, you're saying you have, it's the same equivalent. You have the pro tour, like you're doing the men's, you have the pro tour order of merit, which is seeded different to the main order of merit. So you have the race for the, the match play or whatever that turns into and you have the main order of merit. But the ranking should run from their main TV event. Correct. But it's not done for the World Championships because you have to have a different ranking list. So yeah. your number one on the match play may not be your number one for the World Championships or may not compete there because you'd run July to July instead of December to December. Yeah, but the winner of the match play would instantly get a spot of the Worlds. But number two in that match play race may not be number two in the World Championship race. Then so, so be it. Um, interestingly, we've got another uh, clip from Bo to play. This is from her media day, which was the day before. Boys, who knows? No, uh, not at all. Obviously, I didn't think that the ladies was obviously get a chance with the PDC, but obviously they did, and um, yeah, obviously I suppose I've been up there, but it was only for about 10 minutes, so um, hopefully it'll be a bit longer this time. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and um, yeah, it's a good venue in it, so. <laughs> um, I don't know, I think, to be fair, having a match play is, uh, is a big bonus for us ladies. Um, obviously, the WDF so uncertain with most things, it's hard to actually gauge when you are going to be playing again and you know what's going to be there what's going to be available to you and um but i think we're all sort of just happy that this is here and hopefully it'll just stay there and you've got to do it and i think we're all used to it not having been on site that much anyway so yeah we all sort of know what's going to happen interesting from Bo, considering how pro wdf she has been in her career and from Bo that she spoke to you three days away from the anniversary of your infamous <laughs> comments, Mr. Mars. <laughs> but I'm I'm surprised that Dob, Dob, I was on standby, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it literally came up in a group chat I was in the other day, and I went and looked back at it, and the date is now saved in my phone. I was gonna bully him on Thursday for it. <laughs> um but were you surprised by the comments? A little. I mean, I mean, she's not gone in on them, but she's also... It's subtle, but it's true. Yeah, right okay. now, there is not a lot of communication coming. She knows she's going to be playing in Australia, I think. No, she's turned it down. She's not going. Turn it down again. Um, so she's not playing in Australia then, which is sort of the only one that's actually quite consistent at the minute. There's a date set for that. There's a time of year set for that. And there's a payment structure and invite set for that. Um, the world's is up in the air. The Masters has been... Suspended once again. Accurate. That's how it might be. Hundred percent. If, like you said, if someone who is been playing in a lot of events for the WDF doesn't matter if it's a bronze, silver, gold, platinum. Bows tend to have been at most of them. Um. The fact she's now opening up in that sense probably shows that 
everyone's at that same level of frustration, probably some more than others or some are more volatile than others. But the fact that you're number one or your world champion, sorry, in both of the men's and the right, women's. Men's and the women's, because Neil Duffy and Australia are playing yeah, similar. It's openly coming out and saying that there is frustration about what's next. We don't know when the tournaments are and all that sort of stuff, or the big tournaments are. It shows that it's very, very worrying signs for the WDF because Neil wants to make a living out of darts. He's gave up his job because he wants to make a living out of darts. I'm assuming Bowie's very much the same, considering that she goes to all these events um, across the world. They want to know where they're in the Delta were in a living. Yes, we talked about players at a certain level, that it's a lot of money that you have to pay it for Tosh. Yes, Bo's going to have multiple sponsors because she's a world champion and a, never a world match play champion. But you still want to know what you're going to do for the next 12 months. And if the WDF doesn't happen or something doesn't go ahead, or if they just have the, the world championships this year, that would mean from, for Bo, she's only on TV twice this year. And that would be in the PDC and the WDF, which isn't right. Um, just a quick one on that. Uh, Lau, Bo has been invited numerous times, turned it down twice, was penciled in twice to play and pulled out at last minute. I, I don't know the reasons why, but it's not a case of she hasn't been invited, that she certainly has. God nods. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so it, it's not a case, yeah, it, it's not a case of she hasn't. Um, for for whatever reasons, the the invites have been declined. But that was the women's uh, match play. Um, also, off the back of that, obviously, Noelin Van Leuyden was the first trans female to play in a TV darts event, which caused a lot of commotion on social media, shall we say. Um, but we did get to speak to Matt Porter about the the trans in darts policy. And here is the clip. And, you know, look, we, we work with the Darts Regulation Authority, our governing body on this. There's a there's a, a trans and gender diversity policy in place, which Noah Lynn complies with easily, yeah. you know, and has done for a long time. Um, she's more than more than deserving of her place in, in the women's world match play. And it's quite small minded, I think, when, when people look at it from another angle. Yeah, yeah no, I could agree. It just obviously came up on social media. Sure. And it's, an, yeah, it's an interesting yeah, yeah. one where other course. authorities Listen, are it is, them. It's, 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 the, it, it's happening in a lot of sports for the first time. So yeah. sports are having to deal with it for the first yeah, time. And there's maybe other sports where they can maybe put more claim towards physical discrepancies and things like that, you know, yeah. but it, look, we've got our policy in darts. It's a policy that we're very comfortable with. It's a policy that Noah Lynn and other players yeah. in time will, will comply with or, or have to deal with. Um, and it, 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 it is what it is, you know, it's here and it's not going away. I thought Matt spoke very well on it. Yeah, I don't think you're going to change your PDC stance. Like I said, it's the first time that a lot of sports are taking this on for the very first time you see sports like cycling and, and swimming that have got quite a, a solid stance in it or a lot of debate going on at the right now i mean look, plenty of people are saying it's, it's wrong or it's not right but actually the only difference between men's and women's darts in the last four years is the number of opportunities there isn't a physical difference between the ability that there never has been and if anything 
still in society in 2023, being trans is going to get you excluded from activities and, and playing sport far more often than being a female is. It's there for experience. It's there to, to give opportunities. If there was a big physical difference or if there was anything along those lines, then, yeah, maybe we'd be having a slightly a completely different conversation that uh, the Olympic weightlifter, you've got the conversations about uh, the swimmer that, that rocked up and absolutely smashed the US team and, and all that sort of stuff. They're completely different issues. Yeah. I, I, the thing that probably annoys me about the situation is that... This has been um, Noah, Noah Lynn has been playing on the women's series because that decision was made since the women's series has taken place. Just because Noah Lynn has now qualified, it shouldn't be a for me shouldn't be a debate. Yes, people are allowed their opinion, but it shouldn't be a debate because Noah Lynn has done on the women's series. She's done a fantastic job on finals day to get to that final to then be in. The women's series, I just it annoys me with social media and comments on YouTube and all that sort of stuff around it. That Noelyn was given a qualifying opportunity, and she's took that opportunity and got into the top eight. So for me, it's it, I just find it strange. Obviously, it's now it's on TV that it's it's been brought to attention even more, but I find it mental. I actually think it's quite. Don't know how to phrase this now, but actually the fact this occurred in the PDC Women's World Match play before the WDF World Championships took place, I think is a lot better for the sport. Because uh, there's a, a person that identifies as trans that's qualified for the Women's World Championship in the WDF already. And Nolan isn't the first one to have played in the PDC, by the way. There have been others right. on the floor event, but you just haven't known or you've not been paying enough attention. Like it, 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 it's Correct. not a secret. It's not hush hush. They're just performances haven't been up to it. And nobody's gone, well, what the hell are they doing there? Because they're averaging 43 at one point. You weren't kicking off then. You weren't saying how wrong is that? It's, it's only because of the success level that the relative success level that Noah Lynn has had in the last 12 months that actually it's sort of become an issue. Yeah, it's, it's it's back to one of them. Everyone would be comfortable if does Noah Lynn was playing in it every every competition and was losing first round because they're taking Noah Lynn's money. But yeah. as soon as Noah Lynn's now in the top, I oh let's let's say that Noah Lynn shouldn't be playing in it. It's the rule's been set as Matt as Matt said. That rule isn't there to be changed. It's in a state he's there comfortable with it. So for me, it's conversations been had on the matter and let's move on from it. Oh, yeah. It was just the fact that that's the yeah. first time that Matt had, had, had spoken about it, which is why we played the clip. Also, um, look, we work with them anyway, so it's all good. But, um, Betfred, the numbers have been released for their charitable donation for the tournament coverage. Donating £30,000 to Macmillan Cancer Support is huge and massive respect to them. The work that they did throughout the tournament was incredible the way they were raising money it was 50 quid for every 180 that the, the the players hit and then they were getting whether it was fans or some of the famous people that were in the audience did a nine dart challenge it was a pound for every point and if they weren't very good they were doubling it and troubling it and stuff like that it was it, it, it was all really really good the way that that betfred interacted with it and and raised the money for the million cancer support boys 
Yeah. Didn't they double or treble Lloyd's daughters? That was quite bad. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little deep. Yeah, it was, it was right what um right what they've done throughout the the sort of promotion around it all. Um, was just around raising money and the, the fee that they've raised is a massive kudos to them, to the players and to the to the fans and celebs or former players who got up on stage to, to raise more money. So well done to Betfred. It was funny when Paul Robinson did his nine dark challenge, he walked off and went beep beep, I was shitting myself. The man's played at international football tournaments in front of thousands, and he and it was shit. It kind of froze. Yeah, let's be honest. The last time he did that, it was crap. So <laughs> rightly so. Back to back tournaments with him and Rob Green in goal. Jesus Christ! No wonder all bits are brick. <laughs> but I, I won't be saying that to his face. He walked past yeah, me. I didn't know he's that. Not, I didn't know he's that big. Massive. I'm never telling that to his face. Oh, he's an absolute <laughs> unit. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he walked past me in full and filling. Um, Obviously, I know who he was a big team, but I didn't know it was that big. Yeah. I went, right, Robo, very quietly in a high pitch. Does something, I'm not saying anything bad about your performance on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. Well done, mate. <laughs> but yeah, no, look, Better Friends did superbly in uh, their sponsorship. It wasn't just a case of putting their brand on TV, everything they did in and around the venue was, was superb. Much better than Kazoo, that's for sure. Yeah, the stage was a nice colour as well. <laughs> um, but that concludes the match play. The countdown has already started for the 2024 match play, though, boys. Has Ryan Solo already qualified, Dob? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> 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 We've been together a week, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but no, absolutely superb. Um, Right, where are we going from here? Uh, Australia and New Zealand coming up for the PDC. The World Series um, concludes and most of the other players will be fucking off on holiday. Sad. More time off. Talking <laughs> about holiday. Now, let, 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 let's let everyone know while we're talking about holiday. Good timing. Uh, yeah, so let's we are... Going to, um, so we are actually going to have two weeks off as well. Um, one, Boyce is going into complete surgery. Going in for the second op. <laughs> you know, the, the horrible thing is, I am going in for surgery, so part of that is direct. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so we, we are, we are going to take a two-week summer holiday ourselves. One, just to recharge, and two, we can get new um, graphics, um, backdrops and everything set up to make it look good again. Also, we don't know the date yet, but there is going to be a live lounge live where the three of us are going to be in the same room. We're just waiting on a couple of dates to come through. We're not going to tell you where yet, but it is going to be good, boys. Yes. Can you tell me? No, I'm joking. No. You know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, depending on it, we... Um, we I, may... knew, I knew weeks and months ago yeah. and I completely forgot to bring it up. <laughs> um, yeah, we did. Around... 
Oh, Pete, we spent some time together this weekend. I thought we were friends. Anything like Richie Housens. As, as soon as we know the date, we will let you know so you can all come along as well. It will be in the Midlands. Yeah, boy. <laughs> um, Taxi. Um, we, may, we may have to speak nice to the jar so we can come and produce. Only if we go to Potwild afterwards. Um, there is one in 20 minutes in either direction. Will it be recorded? No, we will be live. <laughs> so there'll be no bloopers. <laughs> um, I think we might put an adult content warning on that one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're just waiting for, for dates to confirm. But the three of us will be doing a live lounge live in the same place. <laughs> all right pete we can't all just sit in front of the camera at darts events all weekend mate pete we'll let you know in plenty of time so you can come up it will um, be a live live yes joe exactly yeah. that's the way to put it no uh, to be fair, i'm looking forward to it it yeah. will be good um what else have we missed oh the women's series returns straight away quick turnaround for the women this yeah. week. Don't look at me though, because I'm busy. It'll be, I guess, we've come up so quickly after, it'll be interesting to see how the, the eight players who played at Blackpool compare to the the rest of the field. Yes, they are the, the top eight over a 12-month period, but um, it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out this weekend. Um, good stuff, James. Um Big Johnny, the way it's going, part of it will be a live Q&A. So you'll be able to shout them and we may even have a roaming microphone. Um, good stuff, James. Yeah, like I say, we're just waiting for the date. So cannot wait for that. Um, I can't remember what else did I put in the... Yeah, Australia, New Zealand. With everything that's gone on, do we expect Johnny not to go? Yeah. Yeah. If that's the case, surely that Hetta gets bumped to the other side of the draw and there's another qualifier because I don't think anyone else will get a visa in time, will they? You never know. It's what do you need a visa for two weeks? If if, yeah, it's, if working, John, it's, it's a working if, visa. If John's coming, we certainly need the uh, swearing content on the fucking bleep machine. <laughs> <It started> there. <laughs> like in dial-up from twenty years ago. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, yeah. So look, I, I don't think that anyone would get a visa in time. So it makes I mean, sense. We said he's not used his card. He did play an event this weekend. I don't think so. I don't think there's time to do a qualifier. I don't know what ranking list there is at the minute, if they could just invite the next up, because there were separate qualifiers for this. There were certain events that were in the bowls, wasn't there? It's generally not a bad way to go, actually. Pete Corey, turn up. Yeah, you've got the, the, the DPA order, tour order of merit as well. Look, I would love to see Corey Cadby back on TV. So I, I'm fully behind that one, but the fact they've left him out once 
I'm uh, not sure. Left, would, they would left it be, away that once. Would it be? And then he went on to make the final four. Yeah, would he be morally right for someone who's got a tour card not played in it? Yes, it's for different reasons, but not played in it. And then, no, no, there's a World Series event. Can you jump on this for us? Even though you've not played any tournaments. Yeah, you've not, played, you've not played a PDC event. Can you now play in one of our World Series events? I don't think it would go down very good. As much as we all want to see Tad be back playing. Yeah. It's also interesting from that interview with Matt, we will be putting other clips out through the week that they, it looks like they are looking at that waste of a tour card. Yeah, it's just taking an opportunity away from someone and not, which isn't great for the sport. I think. Should there be a percentage? They will. They're definitely going to work on something. I think the fact that we very nearly ended up with a situation where a tour card holder definitely wouldn't have been able to use theirs at all at the start of this year, I think highlighted that issue to the PDC a little bit more. The fact that that hasn't happened has allowed them to give it some time, but actually seeing the Perez and Cadby situations unfold mean they've also got that to consider. Yeah. Look, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, right, the weekend darts. Have we missed anything away from the match play? Or was there nothing else? Um, a super series, Patrick. Vandenbohada upset the odds on Saturday night at the Lime Lounge. All week it was, yeah, it's steady, or he'll just be happy to be it. Just, it was, you know, he didn't do anything special at any point. I think he averaged 99 in one game. That, that was the best performance we saw from him. But he just kept doing enough. It was 15, 16, 18 dart legs, just plodding along, pinging the double, nothing special, no big reaction. Like, there was, as I said, there was... I worked on it for four days. There was absolutely nothing notable and memorable about his games at all, but he just kept winning games of darts and he just won five grand and put himself in finals week next week, at Champions Week next week. Yeah, also on that, how good was it to see Martin Adams back playing well, as James said in the chat room? Wolfie was superb today. Yes. No, that was last week, but yeah, thank you, Sam. Also... Didn't see any of it, and my apologies to our friends over the pond. But there were CDC events, so event number seven. Oh, no, wrong one. Mm. I went to where is it? Archived events. There we go. So we had events four, five, and six in the CDC. Uh, Jules Van Dongen beat Danny Lauby in the final of event four. Decent standard as, as well. And I'm just looking at Jules, Jules averaging 96.5 in the final. That's the kind of numbers that we saw from him getting through Q school. Yes. Solid. Uh, event number five, I know, was won by Alex Spellman beating David Cameron in the final. Spellman averaging nearly a ton. I think Spellman's the next one to break through and 
try his hand. Do we think it's Spermon or do we think it's Lauby? At well, some think... point, that next level is just going to click for Danny Lauby because his A game is far too good for it not to. I, I agree. I think Spellman's more consistent, but I think Lauby's highs are higher. Yeah. Um, at that point, he's going to put that high together at the right time. Yeah. Um, and Danny Lauby did win event number six, beating Jacob Taylor in the final. So, good weekend of CDC darts. Mm-hmm. Um, who's your pick to win week 12, Patrick asks. Uh, Mark McGinney. Interesting. I'll read them out to you because Lee definitely doesn't have the list in front of him and you're trying to find it. Group A, Dan Reed, Conaghan. I have the list in front of me right now. Thanks very much. I'll read them out for everyone else at home then. Uh, Group A is Dan Reed, Conaghan, Gino Voss, Jerome Miok, Martin Adams and Lewis Gurney. Uh, group B, which is a Thursday and Friday evening, group of five, where three qualify, uh, Robert Thornton, Mark McGinney and Brett Clayden. Uh, and in group C, the Thursday and Friday morning, uh, Robbie King is back, obviously travelled all the way from Australia, so they give him a double attempt. Uh, Reese Coley and Charlie Large. I would love Wolfie to win it. However... Conor Heenan. I don't think either. Look, Connor still won three games out of five today, but I think there's a level missing to his game right now. It's not as sharp as it has been. It's been a long time since we've seen him down there as well. Wolfie being in Group A is going to be a concern for me. He is 67 years old. He has not played <laughs> competitive darts for a long time. He rocked up at um, Yeovil, having not played an awful lot in the build-up to the last World Seniors event either. Um I'm concerned about five and six days on Martin Adams. He's, what's he made finals night? Five out of six times or something ridiculous and, and not been to Champions Week. I, I just think he runs out of steam too often. I'm going Magini. I just think he's solid. He's difficult to break down. Um, his A game is still up there. I've seen it firsthand on the seniors. Probably he see did. it again firsthand this weekend. But he also chucks in a dud one as well. He does, but you can afford that in a group. On a Saturday night, not so much, but you've got to put it together for three out of four games on a Saturday night. Um, so Gino, Gino Voss for me. Just out of interest, if Mark plays, if he qualifies for the final, is he going to Reading? Then how's he going to get back to Portsmouth? No idea. I'm not even sure he's entered. Completely forgot oh. about that. <laughs> I presume we'll see Thornton in Reading if he doesn't make it to Saturday night. Yeah. Um, other than that, I like your Gino pick. If it wasn't for the fact, he's still not sure if his suitcase is arriving. He played today with um, Justin Bradshaw's darts, a shop-bought polo shirt, an outfit that he'd been to from a supermarket this morning. And after two games, he'd managed to cut his finger, put blood on his polo shirt, which was white, and had to wear a referee shirt for the rest of the day. <laughs> which which means this week down only get better. <laughs> so to oh. still win the number of games that he did today, I thought was brilliant, given the fact that they're not his darts. He had to find a range with them. 
<laughs> completely new outfit, like no underwear, no nothing. Just the suitcase just did not arrive from Schiphol. Shock. <laughs> of all fucking carnage. That that literally used to be the best airport in the world. No, it's an absolute shower of shit. Um, no, Makuru's not. Um, she's going back home after she was asked. Um, so, uh, James, look, Wolfie wants to play the whole week. He loves it. I know Gob said that he does get fatigued, but he just loves it and he wants to. He loves playing. I'm also, I don't want to spoil it, but I'm led to believe there might be a Martin Adams outfit change at some point this week. I've seen the shirt. Yeah. I know it's happening. I know that he'd ask for permission. He's I don't know where it looks. Some people may have seen it in Yeovil, um, been, but he's asked for a sticker that up. It's been great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't know what day he's going to do it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I've started that one. Uh, remember the ADC events. Um, get yourself along to it. Um, so we've got a load of starred questions. We'll start going through them before. We, have we missed anything? Only the seniors qualified this weekend. Obviously, four will head to the match play that now includes John Henderson um, as making his debut. Uh, Housen is already secured. This is this is probably for explaining for you guys, but actually for others out there as well. Uh, Housen is already secured of his route to the TV event. He cannot be caught on the money list. But there are three ways of qualifying for a TV event for the seniors, and the money list is the bottom one of them. So if he goes to be number one on the points order of merit, or if he wins a qualifier outright, that will take precedent, and the next player will then move up on the money list to set that aside. We'll see two qualifiers Saturday and Sunday. There's the LP Metal Detecting Open Series, which carries ranking points on the Friday night. I'll give you your full name, Pete. Why not? Um, as I said, order of merit leader will qualify. Money leader will qualify and two outright. Those order of merit spots currently Richie Housen and Colin McGarry will be back to complete the sweep um, yes Patrick on Champions Week it is this the six best averages get offered Group A yeah. they, some of them can't take it for work reasons but yeah the six best get offered the week and two chances to get to the final yes um <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Um, right, let's go through some questions. This is what this has come up a couple of times, not just in the final, in general. I think they're too friendly on stage. Some are. I don't think all are. I think there's a balance. I think there's just we have a collection of personalities that actually get on pretty well. You, I still don't think also, Darren Gurney's on many Christmas card lists. I'm not sure Gezi's on many Christmas card lists at times. I'm not sure Gary is when he gets going and annoys people. I still think there's that undertone. We definitely know that Kim and Dimi aren't exactly going to be spending the holidays <laughs> with each other. Um, Vincent van der Voort's not making any friends as a pundit. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> like, it's, um, it's very difficult. I'm playing touch-up on a few podcasts, and one of which I listen to today traveling back was peter throaches and interviews um the final four in the premier league this year yeah and one of the things they talked about is the off season and the mention where football players go and all that sort of thing and the questions asked to michael smith and 
Moisel Smith responded with, well, when I won the World Championship, I'd done this, I'd done my media day, then I was off to Bahrain. I spend more time with the players than what I do with some of my family members. That sort of is then going to end up that friendships are being built. Desi mentioned about going away, I think it was to Australia maybe, where they went out one day and they was all on the back of a bus and it felt a bit like a rugby team. But actually on a stage, they do want to beat each other. But it's very hard because they are spending that much time together and the PDC are putting that much in their talent to it, especially the, the top players at the moment, that it's hard for them not to have that that friendly, respectful nature. It's the time drive a rivalry there. There is rivalries, as we've seen with teams not speaking at the World Cup. But if you're going to put them players together that much time, it's just someone like Johnny Clayton, for example, how can you not be friendly to Johnny Clayton? <laughs> you can't just dislike someone just as you can pick them against them. You want to beat them still, but you can't add that needle if it's not there. I think the other thing is you're saying that they're too friendly. It's not affecting results. It's not as if anything's suddenly gone massively one-sided. There's no standout person. It's all shared around a lot. Like yeah. that's what people were asking for. They didn't like Taylor dominating the game. They didn't like Van Gerwen dominating the game. They wanted more people winning titles and stuff. And actually, sometimes the friendliness does disarm people. We've seen it the Super Series. People last week the, the camaraderie was really good, but actually there was players like Justin Hood who wanted absolutely nothing to do with it when he was on the hockey. Because he didn't want to get distracted from what he was doing. But he didn't want the fist bumps at 2 1 if he takes that 110 or whatever it was. But it wasn't Nathan, interesting because he wants to focus on what he's doing. Nathan's won this week and on route to winning this week, he's beat his flatmate for the week. Hmm. He's, he's beat Dobby and there's a lot of respect in that day. But Nathan Aspinall's not going to now start having a bit of edge or trying to be, trying to cause upset on the stage when he doesn't need that to produce. Some of his best arts. Yeah. I'm I'm not opposed to it. It's not it's not like people are then allowing their friends to win. It's an individual sport, so you still want to win that day. Um I don't think he physically can get to number one by Christmas. No one time without winning the world championship these days. Yeah, no, he he, he physically can't do it. Well, does the world count? Go by the question, being world number one at Xmas time. Oh, you know what I mean. Post-world championship, yes, it's possible. Yeah, pre, no. Um, well, I, I've got a I haven't watched any of this, but the PDC did the, the watch-alongs for the quarterfinals onwards. Uh, obviously, we're in the venue working, so I haven't seen any of them. I was with you, yeah. Um, what things going on, Martin? When this shit, I just that, that, there's always pressure in this sport. Um, the same thing that's gone on with a lot of pros, pros in their second season. It, it's just familiar now. The first year, everything's new, everything's excited. You get a little bit of a buzz. You put that little bit more in. Now it's just, I've done this, done this. And it's about your own personal motivation levels to stay at that level or, or keep improving. And as well, we have to remember that this is the professional game. And sometimes it's not that a player's not worse or has done something wrong. It may be at times that you've just come up against or you've you've had the luck of the draw. Um, yes, it would have been nice to see Martin Moore 
but does he have such a good year? In, if memory serves right, he's quite comfortable that he'll be down into next year still a third time holder. It's next year he's defending a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. That's when the that's when the sort of real pressure comes into effect. Yeah. Because he's then maintaining if he has then turned full time, it's maintaining that he stays on the tour to be able to to live that way. Yeah. Um, do you think Luke gets edgy into tournaments? Um, I don't think he gets edgy. I think he maybe lacks a little bit of energy in the longer games. That was he looked a little bit flat compared to the shorter games that he plays in. So he might need to, for me, up his or sort his energy levels out, perhaps. Maybe. Although he is one of the players that put more effort into his lifestyle and and diet over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, Maybe he just gets cold and he needs to do a zip up a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, what goes unnoticed is how Dirk Van Dijvenbode's shirt is incredibly similar place where his zip is, but because he's so much more built out, you just don't notice it. It's almost like he is pushing the zip down with the size of him, and Luke's is just dangling. Um, do we think that players like Price and Wright impacted their chances by missing that? Pro Tour before the match play. Certainly right, I do. It's the, it's the perfect warm-up for a major TV tournament, so I'm not sure why you would miss it. Yeah. I think when Wright's missed as much as he has, though, there is that... It, it leaves a question of doubt in his opponents who are just like, right, what has he actually been up to? What, what Peter Wright is going to turn up? If yeah. he'd rocked up at the Pro Tour and averaged 86... Andrew Gildin's going, I've got him. And it just gives him that little lift, that little boost. I think where he hadn't played for so long, yes, playing would have been maybe ideal for him to practice. But actually, in terms of if he doesn't deliver in them pro tours, the boost it gives to his opponent who is sat there wondering the mystery of whatever Peter Wright is going to turn up is the offset of that. Yeah. Um, says, off topic, just put a new setup. About the cost, look, the, the, the cost is the cost these days. That everything has gone up manufacturing wise. The, the obviously manufacturers, the price of tungsten, everything goes up. So it's just the world we live in. Um, Boise, can you um remove the uh nail off the wall, please? No. It's there for a reason, so that's stuff that needs to go up. So it's staying there. Hopefully, that we're having a little break to go away. That this room will look in a slightly better condition when we return. I will have a different background when we're back. Will it I'm include? Pri- will it include prime bottles? I was going to no, say. Oh, he's moving them because Fallon rinsed him. Romeo done. <laughs> I've got more trophies to go up, and there's no room. So, uh, boy, you missed it when Fallon jumped onto one of the Pro Tour streams. So like a prime boy. <laughs> I, I was fu- I was fully aware of the uh, the prime boy name. Three years doing this, and I'm fucking prime boy. <laughs> uh, there is women's series this weekend, Andrew. Oh, to be fair, we haven't talk- spoken about the Dev Tour, the weekend, the first weekend of the match play that Mr. Luke Littler smashed in a nine. Two nines that weekend. James Beaton hit one as well. They were one and two on the um, JDC for a long time, weren't they? Or James went up against Leighton before Luke really kicked in as well. So, yeah, look, that, that product and that system is is definitely working. 
Um, Luke is a ridiculous talent. I know that there's con- the, the same lines are going to be said about Luke right now is he has an absolutely massive future. The more and more I see of him, the more and more I'm convinced that actually some of the hyperbole around him isn't that exaggerated. I, I genuinely do believe he is the biggest talent of that age since Marco Van Gerwen. The fact that he's been there and done it at that age, it's not look how good this kid is, chuck him in an adult environment and see what happens. He's potentially about to go back to back Champions Week wins at the Super Series. That's 40 grand in his pocket at the age of 16. Sorry, 50 grand because he has to win a week to get there. It's five grand to get there. That's 50 grand in a 16 year old's back pocket if next weekend he wins. How are we doing, Matt? Hope you are good. Um, Your next walk on, are you going to do it with a bottle of prime? Mine? Matt Matt Edgar. He's going to walk on with prime. Okay, so I'll chuck him a few quid. Um, also, on that development tour order of merit, look, Jean Manvine tops that order of merit, but he already has a tour card. So, as it stands, Luke Littler and Wessel Nyman will return or will be tour card holders next year. I've got a massive gap to Bradley Brooks as well, by the way. Yeah. So, interesting. But they're a weekend away from talk arts. I, I think Luke's already there because you look at the gap he's got to Wessel. Yeah. I, I, I think Luke Littler has won his tour card and won't need... I agree. If he hasn't had that wobble of a weekend before, because you think how far ahead at number one he was and then he had a weekend where he didn't make it past the 32. Yeah. But superb from them two. Um need to get Luke into season five very quickly in the Super Series because we might not see very much more of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Matt needs to do a walk-on first. It will come. We know that. Uh, will AD ever get back in the top 32? We've, we've answered this question probably more than ever from doing this, but right now I just don't see it. I, I, I don't see. I, I don't see him coming back playing at the moment. I don't see him being back in the top thirty-two. The longer the gap, the more difficult it's going to be for him to return at any level. I know Matt advocated for him to just go away, come back in when his tour card and completely start again. We've seen the likes of Barney do that in recent years. I'm just not sure that Jackpot has the mentality to stick that out. Not anymore. Yeah. Um, that's a tough one. Who's your pick to win the world right now? So much can happen between now and December. Price. If, if you had a gun to my head right now, I'd probably agree and say Price is in... I think going back-to-back for Smith will be incredibly difficult. Don't see Wright getting back to that level in the next six months where he's contender for the World Championship. I think Van Gerwen's World Championship record is actually quite shocking. I'm going Gezi. I'm going Johnny. Right now. Like you say, so much can happen between now and then, though. Yeah, it's difficult. 
Um, Red Dragon champions are champions. Oh, as well, Gob, how did you enjoy your little cameo refereeing at the Super Series? Was good. Hmm. Didn't good make job. too many fuck ups. <laughs> good job, my friend. Just well, I made two, but yeah, it was all right. There's a moment in the highlights if you watch it back where the first game finishes, a shape both hands just stand there, and there's a big sigh of relief going. Well, that wasn't terrible, <laughs> and then the rest just sort of comes all right. right oh, I survived. Yeah. I think the fear is if you like, I've done it where the county days are so long as well. You make a mistake in a leg where it's just concentration issue, and then you start worrying about more and more and more. I've made two. I think I called a forty-five of forty-four of fifty-nine or fifty-nine of forty-four because I couldn't see it on the wire. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing as well, by the way. As fantastic as dartboards and technology are right now, the shrinking of wires. And players swapping to black points instead of silver. I mean, being a referee is an absolute nightmare to see where anything is. What What was the... Just obviously, reffing at Towns Dames, there's a lot of focus on the board, a lot of people watching. But this one, there's a lot of people watching, but you can't see them. What was was it? Was the nerves more for this? Or like, are you your first down today? I think the fact that it could be, like, clipped up or, like, what on earth is this guy doing? And actually, like, yeah, where you're aware of comments made about other officials at times that have been there and done it, even the top pros like Russ Bray, right? It, to be quite honest, Russ Bray's counting right now is 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 not up to the level of, the, of some of the players, of some of the referees that are waiting in the wings. He's still there because of the voice, and he's, he's been a fantastic ambassador for the PDC. But actually, the number of mistakes Russ is making nowadays is it's not a good look for the PDC, in my opinion. And I think part of him will agree with that himself. He's, he's just not as sharp as he has been before. It'll still be a great ambassador for the PDC. And I think he's got a role to play in Asia and, and, and in emerging nations. But knowing that even Russ and Kirk and that get comments online going, how have you missed kind of that sort of thing? Like, it's just that. It's knowing that. It's a bit like my first dev tour was played the season that they introduced Dark Connect. And knowing that people can track your averages and go, actually, well, you said you played all right, but it says your average 59. Yeah. It's just a completely different, like, there is nowhere to hide. There's no, oh, I did all right. Like, every single, people aren't waiting for you to do a good job. People are waiting for you to make a mistake, in my mind. Yeah, fair enough. Um, also, tongue-in-cheek, did anyone else find it funny that PDC took Jose to do bullseye maths? And then they did a big one at the Winter Gardens with Russ. There's a countdown champion there. <laughs> was the session for them or were they leading it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just asking. <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've spent all week listening to you and does a bicker. Don't fucking start on me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, friends. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, no, in, as a whole, it was a really good experience. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm buzzing for Champions Week next week at the Super Series. I'm buzzing for a week off. <laughs> um, I'm backing comms on this Saturday night in the Super Series. So you get to listen to me on Saturday night with Scotty Mitchell, I think. Maybe. Don't send you to Vince. Thought he was there today. Um, it does clash with women's series, though, so we're going to have to find someone to take over the end of yours because I'm in Reading for the seniors qualifiers. Yeah, we'll, we'll worry about that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> week up and we still ain't got anybody to do anything. What is... I can't even find it. What, what are you looking for? The update to see when you are. Uh, yeah, you're on comms with Scotty. This, this, this is a good one. The best commentary duo in darts. Are you talking now or ever? Because it's two very different answers. Yeah, because as far as I'm aware, there's only one commentator that's ever beaten Gary Anderson for 170. <laughs> Four times last week. Four times. <laughs> now and ever. Sid and Dave are the best ever for me. Yeah. Um, Seth and can I put a caveat to that? Can we put Sid, Dave, and John as a trio? Because any version of those three worked, worked, worked very well. Yeah, incredible together. Because they, they were the three that Sky obviously used, weren't they? They just rotate them, then ran. Any version of those three, I just think were incredible. Right now. Oh. Right now, mine is probably Wayne and Webby. I'm torn either Wayne and Webby or Wayne and Dan. For me, I said that Johnny will get sued. James knows. I'll be watching on mute on Saturday. <laughs> as, as a duo, I used to really like the dynamic between Webby and Pat. I uh, Stud and Marl used to be great together as well. 2019, they were they were superb together. Yeah, but look, there, there's a lot of fabulous pundits and commentators within our sport. We're actually quite lucky that there are a huge number of good ones. I don't, I didn't watch the Euro tour that Chris Mason did work, but I'd love to see Mace with Dan 
just to see how that plays out. I think they did, didn't I, they? I didn't see that Euro Tour. Yeah, I, I, they, they, they were really good. I'd, I'd love to go back and watch that or see that a little bit more just to see how that dynamic plays out. Um, genuinely, right now, I think Dan Dawson's the best in the business. I don't think his punditry debut went to plan on Sky. Oh, it was ready yeah, to yeah, interject. Yeah, yeah. He's going to finish this and shut him up. And he's like, I am going to talk. And then he promised us a big performance from Gary Anderson. And he got beat averaging 102. Yeah. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne stitched him right up. And Wayne walked back into the media room after and went, got him. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> which was, which was superb. Look, yeah, Dan is very good. Look, Mace is right up there as well. I think Macy's incredible. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to fanboy him too much, but for me, Dawson is superb because he can change up his style. He's done it solo on the Pro Tour. He can do it as a duo. He can lead. He can be the number two. And I think he's got different styles for it as well. He can have that little bit more tongue-in-cheek on the Euro Tour. But actually, when it comes to Sky, the professionalism that he can then adapt to, I think, is brilliant as well. Just the flexibility of the man is, is Ridiculous. Oh, I remember going back a couple of years. One of his lines on the Euro Tour was like, "I probably won't be here in a couple of years. I'd have been sacked by then." As he just was going on. <laughs> it was the weekend where uh, Jacques Nielouat was in. I remember it was him and Jacques Nielouat, and they were talking about the young and upper comers of Jacques. Like in ten years' time, I might not be around to see it. And Dan was like, "Yeah, Nielouat be sacked." <laughs> yeah. Um, but everyone, thank you very, very much for this evening. Like we said earlier, we are having a two-week summer break. Um, so no live lounge for two weeks. Boise's going in for the snip. Um, and we can design graphics and... and... <laughs> I'm going to have haircuts. I don't have to wear a fucking cap next time. On a serious note, I hope your operation does go all right, lad. I know we, we tongue-in-cheek, but I hope it does go well. That is not the operation, by the way. <laughs> But we are we are going to have uh, a two-week summer break just so we can, one, recharge the batteries, two, prep some new on-screen stuff and get our shit together. Hopefully, we'll have a live lounge live date for you then. Like I say, it will be in the I middle. Mean, What's that? Relaunching with that live might be the best idea we've ever done. It depends when it is. Yeah. It depends when said person gets keys. Three weeks. Well, this week, isn't it? Three weeks today for... Our return from conversations. I think you're optimistic that early. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's optimistic. Our tease, maybe tease, maybe yes, but then you five five six weeks to install. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we will have dates for you. Uh, thank you very much for all your support over the Betfred World Match Play. You guys were absolutely incredible watching our stuff, liking our stuff and everything like that. Um, we'll still have stuff going on social, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and now Threads as well. Make sure you give us a um, follow over there. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to our YouTube channel and give us a thumbs up. I'm mean, Phil Bars, Jack Garwood, Lee Boyce. We are signing off. The Betfred World Match Play is done and dusted. Two weeks off. Everyone enjoy yourself, and we'll see you all. Very, very soon. Freedom! 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.